Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, June 13th. We are here live. It's going to be a free-for-all today. It's all about what you want to talk about. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything that's on your mind, pick up the phone and join me. We're opening the phone lines right now, so you can start dialing 855-950-3835. I've got some odds and ends I want to talk about, uh, and then we'll get to your calls. Looks like they're already starting to come in, so jump in. And we'll get to those calls here in just a little bit. So first of all, we have to talk about the economy. It's really the most important thing right now. Unfortunately, none of the news is good, but we just need to deal with that. And if we do deal with it, we should be a whole lot better off. Hopefully, you've been getting as prepared as possible for this. But if we look at the markets right now... um, the markets are kind of in a free fall. The, um, the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ all getting hammered today. They got hammered on Friday. It doesn't, we may see a bounce back from this, but I'm not so sure this time. We may be on the way down. Now, we've been expecting this for a long time. We started talking about this back in 2017. Uh, just some really unusual things have pushed it out till now Uh, we got really lucky because when we started talking about it in 2017 if you started getting prepared for this you've had five years and I know people have I talk to them all the time we've been getting prepared for this hopefully uh, enough people have crypto right now is really being hammered cryptocurrencies and I bring this up because So the end of 2021, uh, crypto had some rallies. Everybody was talking about it. Oh, look at how much money I made in crypto today. Uh, And I was asking people, what's your strategy here? uh, Which cryptocurrency are you buying and why? What, What price will you sell? Nobody seemed to know. It's just a lot of hype. Cryptocurrency was being talked about. Well, if you bought in December during the hype, you are now down 60% from December of 2021 till now. 60% crypto has tanked. Well, that's Bitcoin because crypto is just a generic term. There are lots of cryptocurrency companies out there. Bitcoin, uh, the biggest and the most well-known, but all of them right now are being hammered. Just so people understand what that means. If you would have bought into all the hype in December of 2021 and you had $10,000 sitting around looking for a home, if you would have put your $10,000 into Bitcoin, like a lot of people were telling you you should do, that $10,000 just seven months later now would be worth $4,000. That's it. If you were in really good shape and you got crazy and invested 100000 into Bitcoin, it would be worth 40000 right now. Will it come back? I have no idea. How do cryptos work in a, a recession? No clue. I can tell you what stocks do during a recession. I can tell you what bonds do. But I have no idea. And nobody knows what crypto will do during a recession because we've never had crypto in a recession. Hasn't happened before. So uh, most people should just stay away from those kind of investments. If you want to be in the market, you should have a good long-term plan. I did see a post today, uh, social media, several like this. This is kind of the theme now that um, stocks and cryptos are way down, so you should be buying them. Well, maybe. That might not be a bad strategy, but do you have a plan? Where do you think they're going? How low do you think they'll go? Now, if you are a long-term investor, and I'm not talking about crypto, now I'm talking about the stock market, the S&P 500, the kind of investments we've been talking about for years. If you're a long-term investor, if you're in your 30s, 40s, maybe even early 50s, 20s for sure, you should be buying stocks now. You should be buying some every month. You should be buying 
You should be dollar cost averaging into your mutual funds. And yes, you even do it on the way down. In fact, that's one of the best times to do it because every time that mutual fund goes down and you buy more, you're getting it on sale and you are holding long-term anyway. So long-term investing, you should just be ignoring this. If you normally put two or $300 a month into your uh, retirement account and it goes into the S&P 500, we'll just keep doing that. that. This is really a good time. You'll be able to buy more stocks for less money. That's, that's a good thing. But only if you're holding long-term. Now, um, let's talk about the industry a little bit. I'm seeing all these posts and we knew they were coming. This is the one thing I still really like about social media. Every day I can log in and I can see what people are saying. You never used to have that. You'd, you know, you'd have to go hang out at the liar's counter or the truck stop or wherever. Uh, now it's easy. You just log on. You can see what people are saying, what they're talking about. What a shift from just six months ago to all the posts talking about, um, uh, I'm laughing at my broker. I hung up on the broker today. I can't believe they tried to get me to... That all changed. Everybody was happy and laughing at the brokers and hanging up on them. And now everybody's pissed off that the rates are so low and they blame it on the broker. Well, this is no different than our president trying to blame our inflation and our economy on everything else he can think of. This is no different. Markets go up, markets go down. You have to be prepared for these things. You have to understand them. But when I hear Biden claim that it's the oil companies gouging people, now he's on a new one. Now it's the ocean shipping liners, the container companies that ship all the containers across the ocean. Now they just got greedy after, I don't know, uh, 80 years in business or however long that industry has been around. Now, now, just, just now recently, all the CEOs got greedy and they're all gouging us now. That is such an ignorant statement for our president to make statements like that is really worrisome. If you don't understand our economy and our market any better than that, that you just think that these oil companies now just gouge everybody, what changed? Why didn't they gouge us last year, the year before, 10 years ago? Although there were times when, you know, we were told they were. Well, what stopped them then? If the last time oil prices went this high, it was just the oil companies gouging us, then what stops them? Because if this is true, I know it's not. But if it were, don't we need to understand why and how and and what's going to happen? But it's not true. You can't make any argument at all that our inflation is because these companies are trying to gouge us. That's just, it's so nonsensical. And yet people believe it. Now, the industry, I keep seeing a lot of posts about, well, just don't pull the freight. Let the freight sit on the dock. Tell the broker to go to hell. Okay, that's a strategy. And when I ask people, how does that strategy work? Where, when do you stop doing that? Nobody has any answers. And when I ask these people that are pushing this, just say no, just leave it on the dock. What are your numbers? What is the freight rate you need to go to work? And they always pull out some crazy number. Like, well, I'm not pulling for less than $3 a mile. Before you got in the industry, did you think about that? Did you look at the rates historically and see how often they're not above $3 a mile? Did you do any of that homework? Because I can tell you, if you need the kind of rates I see people posting about, you're not going to survive in this industry because the rates don't stay that high that long. They never have. This is a very, very competitive industry most of the time, and that means competition drives rates down. That's just the reality of it. You can't change that by blaming it on the brokers or saying, I'm going to let the freight sit. And I ask these people, have you done the math? How long can you let the freight sit? How long can you park your truck and still pay your bills? They have no clue. 
They don't even know what their home expenses are every month. And yet they're out running around, just park the truck, don't pull the freight. Well, I can say if you do that, you will help the rest of the people who don't park their trucks. So it's actually a good strategy. I'm going to start helping people promote that strategy. If you don't like the rates, you should absolutely park your truck. Don't pull that freight. That's a great idea. Keep it up. Tell all your friends about it too. Why do we in this industry promote things that actually make things worse for us? You know, if you go back to 2017 when we started talking about this, that we really believed the market was going to turn, there was going to be a recession. And then in 2018, we had the ELD come in. And guess what it did? ELDs made rates go up. Why? Well, we said it would. It was logical because the ELD changed supply. It limited supply because we knew most drivers on the road were cheating their hours of service. And even though it doesn't help a lot, it helps cheating on your logbook and driving more hours than you are legally allowed to or fudging here and there does add to supply. When you add to supply, rates come down. And yet we push to work more. We want more hours. We don't want less. But if you allow more hours, then rates go down again. That's what you have to understand. And when rates were high and people were driving 70, 75, 80 miles an hour, I said, well, you know, 80 miles an hour probably never makes sense in a truck. But sometimes driving 65 to 70 does when rates are higher and fuel prices are low. But look around. That's not where we are now. And yet people still want to drive fast. And you know what driving fast does? It lowers rates. If you really believe that because you drive faster, you deliver more freight and you get more miles in, well, then you're driving rates down. Because that adds to supply. Honestly, as an industry, if we wanted to push for something that would benefit us and would help keep rates stronger, we'd be pushing for a national 55-mile-an-hour speed limit again for everybody, cars, trucks, everybody. Let's, let's throw out the argument of we don't want split speed limits. Let's just do what we did in the 70s. Let's just make it a national 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. Rates would go up. Rates would probably go up fairly significantly. Might make a pretty significant difference right now. Um, fuel cost would come down because if cars and trucks are burning a lot less fuel because they're going slower, now that works on the demand side of the fuel equation. So one thing, slowing down, if everybody did it, if everybody did it, it makes rates go up and fuel prices go down. And yet we don't fight for those kind of laws at all. We fight for the opposite. We're constantly fighting for things that will actually make our rates go down. And then we complain about rates going down. Now, if we were to do something like a national, and I'm, nobody's talking about it, I can't imagine it happening. But it makes sense to think about it so you start to understand it. If we were to institute a national 55-mile-an-hour speed limit, a lot more trucking companies and owner-operators would survive. It would be the thing that would actually help them. Now, they could do it themselves, and it would probably help them. I doubt that they will. But a lot more owner-operators, drivers, trucking companies would survive through this. So... Today's question of the day, if you want to answer it when you call in. And by the way, we had calls lined up and I just looked up. They're all gone. I was just getting ready to go to a call and they're all gone. Um, I have stuff I can talk about, but if you want to get in, now's the time. 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. So question for the day, if you want to answer it, or if you want to talk about it, or if you want to call in for anything else, you can. Would you rather see some sort of uh, approach like that, whether it's a national speed limit or, or something similar that actually allows more people in trucking to survive 
or do you want to just let the free market do its job and um, wipe out the bottom, oh, 30%, I'll bet, uh, of the industry? I think that's um, probably how much we could see cleaning out. I saw a statistic yesterday. Uh, I may get the numbers wrong. I'm going to go back and do a little more research on this. But I think on an average month, three or 4,000 people in the United States give up their authority. Um, maybe they're retiring. Maybe they're just getting out of the business, whatever. The average, I think, is around three or 4,000 a month. I got to go double check these numbers. But I think last month it was 9,000. You know, it, it, uh, it seems really, really early in this for me. Um, that people are actually going out of business, but it's happening. It's happening quite a bit in trucking. We're also seeing a lot of consolidation. Trucking companies buying other trucking companies, and, and we will see a lot of that. Uh, small companies are getting hurt much more so right now than large companies. Uh, in the trucking industry, um, the smaller companies tend to run the spot market, and the spot market is really where we're getting hammered early. Contract rates will follow, but the reason contract rates take longer is because they're long-term negotiated rates. So once those contracts come up and they have to be renegotiated, what we're already seeing is the new negotiated rates are going lower. So be prepared for that. That doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. I'm pretty sure we're going to be back down into that dollar uh, fifty to two dollar a mile range on the spot market for an average, more than likely. And there, uh, it's tough to survive. I will tell you the the owner operators who have the best chance of getting through this are the ones that stuck with a mileage contract through all this. Uh, they're actually doing better now because the fuel surcharge. When you're on a mileage contract, almost every mileage contract in, includes a pretty decent fuel surcharge. So for them, things actually got better. When we had high rates and low fuel prices, that was actually hurting them. They weren't getting those rates because they're on a mileage contract and the low fuel price kept their fuel surcharge down. So once fuel started climbing, owner operators on mileage contracts should be doing better. And because rates are dropping, doesn't matter to them. They're on a fixed mileage rate anyway. So uh, if you're in that position, I'd love to hear from you. If you've been on a mileage contract through all this time, I'd love to hear from you, and uh, I mean, I, I, I think you should be doing significantly better right now with fuel prices where they are. Um, looking at the market right now, I'll just give a, a quick update. Things are not looking good today. These are real time. Um, the Dow is down almost 800 points right now. Uh, that's about two and a half percent, but the NASDAQ's doing even worse. It's down about four percent. The S&P 500 is down almost three and a half percent. These are, you know, when we hear three and a half percent, that doesn't sound like much. These are big numbers for stock markets being down. Uh, the started, well, it's been going on for a couple weeks now, actually a couple months. Um, the whole year we're down uh, just about every industry index is down right now but we started another drop last week friday was a bad day uh today is looking pretty rough the uh small companies are getting hit even worse you've heard me talk about the um, russell 2000 which is like the s p 500 but it's 2000 small company stocks it is off almost five percent right now that is a huge drop in the Russell 2000. So virtually every, um, all three of the stock indexes that I talk about investing in for retirement are all down right now. And I tell people all the time when I talk about them, you invest in this, sometimes they go up, sometimes they go down, you have to be prepared for that. But ultimately we hope that they keep going up, uh, but they don't. They go up for a time, then they come down overall. 
stocks have always continued to climb over the big term, 10-year periods, that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I think we're in for a pretty rough ride right now. So if you want to talk about the market, if you want to talk about the industry, about rates, about fuel prices, pick up the phone and join me. I'm wondering if something's wrong with the phones. Last couple of shows last week, our phones were slammed all day long. Um, today it started off heavy. All the calls disappeared. Now I got nothing. So pick up the phone and join me, 855 855- Nine five zero three eight three five. Something else I'd love to get some feedback on. I know we don't have a lot of people in our um, in our beta program, our beta test for our app to listen to the show. Um, but if you are testing our app, I'd love to get some feedback on it. We just released the one point zero version for iOS released that over the weekend. So we're getting much, much closer. Uh, I know on Android, it's uh, we're struggling a little more on Android, but that's always the case. So much harder to uh, program Android apps than it is iPhone, but we will get it done. I've been playing with it. I absolutely love it. I am so impressed by what our team has put together on this app. Uh, really easy to navigate. All of our shows are there. We're even bringing back shows from the Audio Road Network back in 2014. Um, Rico Muhammad and Chuck Snow do uh, a great show on rates and lanes. Chuck's a, a regular guest on that show. Rico's been doing that since 2014. We brought that show back. Um, if you're brand new to the industry, we brought back a show called Trucking 101, all about your first year, not not as an owner-operator, not as a business owner, just your first year in trucking, uh, show about all the things you, know, you might have to deal with in that first year. Um, those are older shows, still a lot of good information in there, and I'm actually looking for a host. I would love to find a host that uh, is excited about that topic getting through that first year and really likes to help people and wants to do a show. We're talking about maybe an hour a week. That's it. So if, uh, if you're interested or you know somebody who might be and who would be good at that, um, send me an email support at let's truck.com. Um, love to get that show going again. I think that show really, uh, can do a lot of good that, I mean, think back that first year in the industry is kind of rough. Um, Helping people out with that, I think, would be awesome. All right, so the phone lines are lighting up again. So they must be working. I think you guys were just asleep. So let's uh, let's get to the phones. I had a couple other things um, I may come back to. Uh, oh, one of the things I, I may come back to today or I may do an open about soon. I, you know, I'm not just going to keep coming on and talking about all the bad news in the economy, although I expect for at least the foreseeable future, uh, the news is going to be bad. We, I think sometime this week, Wednesday maybe, um, the Fed has a meeting. They're expected to raise the interest rates. If they surprise us with a higher uh, raise than people are expecting, we'll probably see the market tank again. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that for you. Let's go to Florida to get started today. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Howdy. I just wanted to see what your prognosis is on um, more of a medium to longer term outlook on the industry, because if we're losing all of these authorities and capacity is dwindling, we should see a correction at some point down the road because it's going to be all supply and demand. Uh, do you agree with that kind of assessment? And how long do you think, you know, we're in for a bumpy ride? You know, the, the problem this time is that when we look back, you know, if I look back over the 35 years I've been in the industry and I look at all the downturns and how long did they last and how long did it take us to come back out, um, we can do that. The problem is we have so many things that are different this time. And without having this kind of history, all we can do is speculate. And unfortunately, the speculation right now is um, 
it's not good. When I look at the things that are different, you know, we're, and, and not even completely different. Just look at the fact that we're setting records. Fuel prices have never hit numbers like this. The inflation numbers haven't been like this in 40 or 50 years. So it's hard to predict because so many things are worse than we've ever seen. And you have to assume if they're worse, then this is going to be worse and it's going to drop further and last longer. So I I hate to be, you know, nothing but doom and gloom, but that kind of seems to be what the, the numbers are telling us. A typical downturn in trucking usually lasts about 18 months. You know, we, we start on the way down, yeah. we hit the bottom, we climb back out of it, usually about 18 to 24 months. So I would expect at least that. And I, I think it's started. I think we're in it now. You know, for a while we were bouncing. Things would go down, things would go up. Things would go down, things would go up. And that's typical right before a shift is you usually see a lot of volatility like that. Well, it almost is looking like the volatility is over and we're just on our way down now. So I, I would say we've got at least 18 months. Right. And demand may come down because the economy's in the crapper. Then the supply's gone down, but the demand may diminish and that may prolong it. But, uh, you know, it, well, the, I guess there is a lot of unpredictable natures going on because when you have Mr. Magoo as president, it's uh, who the hell knows what's going on. I, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, honestly, it's it's really hard because typically whatever party's in power, whether you like them or not, typically they tend to do the right things eventually to kind of turn things around again. I'm not a big fan of government, but for the most part, once we see this clear evidence of crazy high fuel prices, inflation through the roof, we should be doing certain things and we're not. This administration just seems to ignore all the problems. They keep making the statement, we're doing everything we can to combat inflation, and yet I haven't heard them list one single thing, not one that they're doing. So that's another reason why it's hard to predict is this administration is is just not acting like past administrations have acted. When you put evidence in front of them, they just kind of ignore it. And, and act like it's not happening. So uh, demand is absolutely going down already, and it's going to get worse. If nothing else, demand has to go down because with this kind of inflation, you can only afford so much. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the middle class is going to be, you know, it's going to be hurting. Really, it already is. You know, I mean, it's a surprising. I have a, laundry, I have a laundromat. How many people I hear? Oh, my washing machine broke, but and I'm, I haven't been here before. And uh, uh, can you help me out to use the machines? And and uh, you know, I got my own house, but uh, it's going to be a couple of months before I buy a new machine. That's that's interesting. That's you know, you have a kind of an inside look at that, and that's an interesting kind of um, statistic. More people going to laundromats because they can't afford to replace their appliance. I ju- just um, a couple weeks ago, um, our dryer went out. Now, that washer and dryer were in this house 10 years ago when we bought it. So it did pretty well, but it quit. I probably could have fixed it, but I thought, you know what? It was here in the house 10 years. Let's just go get another one. And you can actually get dryers. You know, some appliances are hard to get right now, but um, we found the dryer we wanted. We got it delivered in a couple of days. Uh, I had somebody come over and help me get the old ones out. And um, they're still really nice shape and they're pretty high-end washer and dryer and i'm sure that dryer could be fixed pretty easily so uh there's a kind of a local handyman here who does some work for me and he came over and he was going to take them and keep them for himself and then he was going to sell the set he had in his house well before he had a chance to come over and get them he called me and he said hey uh if i come over today can you help me load that washer and dryer up 
And I said, sure. And he said, I just have a neighbor that um, there, I forget, I think it was the washer that went out. Uh, he said, I'm just going to give this to them instead of keeping it for myself. So another example, their washer went out. They just can't afford to replace it right now. Yeah, and this is homeowners. This is not, right. you know, right. lower end. I mean, that, you know, people are living close to the edge already before the miasma of this economy. So it's, it's you know, it's how many bankruptcies are, you know, it'll be interesting to see how bankruptcies, uh, oh yeah, you know, develop or yeah. if if they increase or how much and yeah, you know I, what's exactly going to and you know actually uh, I'm going to make a note about that because normally when we go through times like this, that is a number that I watch, uh, and I think it is time to start watching that one again because I have a feeling they're going to start happening pretty quick. We're already seeing it more in trucking than I expected this early. Um, people going out of business, companies being bought up people giving up their authority. Uh, it's happening pretty quick. And that's kind of scary because I, I think we're in for uh, a lot of this. I just had an experience. I I don't go to the grocery store much anymore at all. You know, I, my food supply over the last couple of years, the way I shop and buy food has changed pretty dramatically. Uh, I do a lot of shopping through Azure Standard, um, I do a lot of shopping, you know, whether it's locally through local farmers for meat or one of the online services that I use. And those prices have gone up a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, the other thing that's been going on, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, I started canning a lot of stuff that was in my freezer because it, it's been in there a while and I wanted to rotate some stuff. So I started canning a lot of stuff that's in the freezer. And then my plan is to restock the freezers. So I'm actually kind of low on certain cuts of meat right now. I canned a bunch of stuff. I haven't had a really good steak in a couple of weeks. So I got thinking, you know what? I want a really good thick cut ribeye. And I was in town, you know, so I thought, well, I'll just go in the grocery store. I'll grab one. It's not the best quality, but it'll still taste good. So I looked at ribeye. Just, you know, nothing special. This is just your standard grocery store ribeye. $28 a pound. I, I was shocked. Yeah, crazy. Oh, I had, I, you know, I, and of course, I've been hearing about inflation. I know it. I watch the numbers. But to see that, to look at that and go, you know what? I'm not paying $28 a pound for that steak. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, it's, you know. It's it's getting yeah and beef is getting pretty 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 expensive. Yeah, and I, I've paid twenty eight dollars a pound for for beef before. I've paid significantly more than that for you know wagyu here and there for a special occasion. But I am not paying twenty eight dollars a pound for grocery store beef. No, I hear you. That's you know, I I go to the Amish and the uh, uh, and the. Uh, uh, Quaker stores up in Pennsylvania as much as I can and stock up when I'm in the truck. Um, there's a place called the Family Cow, which is an Amish farm um, north of uh, Greencastle. And they make their own beef stick, uncured, you know. Yeah. And they have heritage, uh, por heritage pork and nice. chicken and fed, um, beef and, you know, like you said, their prices have been pretty stable. Yeah, they have because when you understand that business model compared to traditional agriculture, where whether you're growing cows or chickens or soy or corn, you buy lots of supplies. And that's the these regenerative farms are the opposite. We talk about regenerative because it's good for the environment, but it's it's also a completely different business model. They don't use a lot of diesel fuel. They don't use commercial fertilizers. They don't use grains as feed. And those are all the things that the prices went through the roof on, fuel and fertilizer and grain. Those are the three biggest inputs for a traditional farm. No wonder why their costs have gone through the roof. But a regenerative farm doesn't buy those things. 
So their costs haven't really gone up. Maybe some shipping cost, but the only thing they ship is their product out if they do that. Some of these local regenerative farms only sell local and they sell at farmer's markets or they sell right off their own farm. They really haven't seen their costs go up much at all. Yeah, maybe labor, but if it's a family farm, exactly. it's you know, controlled as well. So right. you know, the, it's funny to... Um, to, you know, to see the, but you know, this place, the family cow, it's like exit 20 off of 81. It's a great place. If anyone's they, interested in that kind of thing, they make their own beef stick. That's just awesome. Yeah. Maybe what we need to do is, uh, just start sharing those kind of resources. I may even, um, take on a little project here. Maybe I'll go see if I can put together some prices and see how these um, these regenerative farms are comparing to what you got to pay in the grocery store right now. Let's uh, let's go to Georgia. Matt, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Second week in a row, I'm calling you with a yogurt question. Uh, uh, set my timer on my sous vide for 36 hours. It didn't cut off, but it went for probably about 43 hours. Any reason I shouldn't eat that yogurt? No, you can eat it. Here's here's what could have happened. And this isn't an exact science. This is just our best guess based on some testing that Dr. Davis has done a lot of. So our goal when we're culturing yogurt is to increase the bacterial count. So we start with these little pills that have so much bacteria in them. And for the most part, like the El Ruderi yogurt, at 100 degrees, that bacteria will double every two hours. So in 36 hours, you get 18 doublings of bacteria. And when you double something 18 times, you get huge numbers. That's what we're shooting for. That's why this yogurt is so different than commercial yogurt. Commercial yogurt is cultured for four hours. It only doubles once, maybe twice. That's it. And it's all about the more bacteria, the better. Now, why do we stop at 36 then? Well, at some point, you run out of food, basically, to feed the bacteria. They've, they've eaten all they can eat. They've created all the bacteria they can possibly create. And now, after 36 hours, those numbers could start to decrease. You could start to see some die-off. But it's not going to hurt you. It's, there's nothing unsafe about eating it, and you still should have plenty of bacteria in there. So absolutely eat it. All righty. I appreciate it, sir. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Uh, I just finished up uh, another big gallon and a half batch of El Ruderi uh, over the weekend. Let's go to Ohio. John, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. I had a question about how long do they go back for depreciation recap? Say you sold your truck. Um, you mean how long if you when you bought it? How long can do we go back? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, like if you sold it for more than you paid for it. Uh, forever. How long? Oh, all right. <laughs> Yeah, there's no, it, it, honestly, I'll, I'll say something crazy. If, you know, back in um, 1963, when I was born, you know, I bought a truck to put into service and now I'm going to sell it. I would still have to recapture depreciation. All right. That's all I, I was just curious about that. They were talking about it all the time. So are you thinking about selling a truck? Not really. Kind of kicking it around, but. Okay. How much would you sell it for? How much do you think you could get for it if you decided to? We might as well go through the numbers so you have something to think about. Well, these knuckleheads are paying 180000 for these sliders. Oh, man. I'd... <laughs> and you only paid 135 You only pay 135 for them new. So. so let me ask you, you a question. Your... Roughly, roughly, how much do you make a year net profit? Hello? Yep. You still there? Yeah, now I am. Yeah. So roughly, how much do you make a year net profit? You don't have to be exact, just something close. According to profit gauges, I'm pushing 100 already. 
Okay, good. So let's think about this. So you could technically get 50000 more than what you paid for it. That's a capital gain, but let's think about that for a second. 50000 is what you make in net profit in about six months. I would seriously be tempted to sell this thing and take a six-month vacation. Now, I probably wouldn't because the economy is so bad, I'd be so worried, but I probably would sell it and then go work some more. But just think about that. The profit you would make on this truck right now is the same profit you make for working for six months. Right. Now, now we have two things here, though. You asked about recapture of depreciation. When did you buy this truck? 2016. So it's completely depreciated. Yes. Okay. So that means the book value is zero. You paid one thirty. We're just going to use round numbers here. You paid one thirty. Right. The first hundred and thirty thousand dollars is recapture of depreciation taxed at twenty five percent. This is where the problem is going to come in. This is where this probably won't be such a good idea because the government's going to get a big chunk of your profit. So 130, that's 26, 32, like 32 to 33,000, you're going to have to pay the government back in recapture of depreciation. So your $50,000 now is 20-some, so you can only take a month or two off. And then you will pay capital gains on the other 50000 And the capital gains rate will depend on your tax rate. And um, this would be a long-term capital gain, so it'll be a little lower. But the problem with my strategy of selling it and taking time off is the government gets more of the profit than you do, unfortunately. Yeah, that that don't make sense. No, No, that's unfortunate. But that's that's the market we're in right now. The government would uh, benefit more than you would. Doesn't that suck? Yeah, because I mean, you pay taxes once, and then you got to pay them again, and then you sell it, you got to pay more, and then yeah, yeah, that's insane. All right, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's see. All right, we blew through some calls. We have some phone lines open. Um, I'll hang out till we run out of calls. So uh, it's up to you. If you want to jump in, eight five five. Nine five zero three eight three five. Let's go to Indiana this time. Jeff, welcome to the program. Yeah, hearing all these uh, the inflation, the supply chain, and worker shortage, and, and just go back if you can to just twenty eighteen. Was the system so fragile? at that point that any disruption would just sink the ship. That's what it appears to me that the pandemic came and then the administration changed and if you just nudged the boat a little bit, it continued going off course so far that was the entire system just running so so small of of error that Anything just blew it up? Uh, I think yes. So if we look at it, um, let's think about 2018 and what we were talking about, 2017, 2018. Uh, I clearly remember I went to a conference. um, Noel Perry was there, and I had already known Noel for years. um, But he did a really good presentation on where he thought the economy was going in 2017. You remember coming back on the air and talking about it almost every day. And if we think about it, we were already 10 years into that recovery. We're recovering from 08, 09. We haven't had a real downturn since then. So in 2017, 2018, right. we were already saying, look, this, this economy is long in the tooth already. This can't last much longer. What but it was actually the pandemic, the administration change, all of that actually extended it. It didn't, it didn't crash it. 
It did the opposite because with the pandemic in this administration, they started printing money and handing it out like it was candy on Halloween. That's what, that's what created the mess we're in right now. Too many people with too much money. Now you got a bunch of people with money during that time, and we had shortages of goods because things were shut down. That is the recipe for inflation. The, the whole, you know, every time I hear Biden say Putin's price hike, I feel like throwing a brick through my TV. Makes me insane. This isn't Putin. Yeah. Some of it is. There's no doubt. Of course, something like that on the world stage has an impact. There's no doubt. But this started long before Putin ever invaded anything. And right now we're talking about what started it. We're already at the end of a long economic run-up. And all of a sudden, the government starts handing out money and we can't get enough stuff. That's what makes inflation happen. It's supply and demand. You gave people a ton of money. There's the demand. You shut everything down. There's the supply. No wonder why we're paying eight bucks for fuel. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember you saying, and I don't know what the, like how many cargo ships are normally waiting, but there was a constant flow of coming in, unloading, taking off. And then when you stop it, and then everybody orders 10 times more and you have nothing coming in and you've got 500 cargo ships sitting out there instead of the normal 50, then it didn't take but 30, 60, 90 days to throw the whole system out of its normal flow and doubling, tripling people wanting stuff. I mean, the whole port... A loading system exposed itself to being flawed. Yes, that 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 was you know, but here's the thing. Let, let's look at the port system. Sure, it's not the most efficient, and I could come up with all kinds of reasons: government regulations, unions. It's it's a very controlled environment. Um, sure, it's not the most efficient, but it worked up until now. What happened? Other than we put too much demand on things and then we shut things down in the supply chain. Remember the giant, you know, ship getting stuck in the canal, that kind of messed things up. Um, We had all these weird little factors, China shutting down their ports because of COVID. It's just, that's why it's so hard to predict right now because we are seeing things that have never occurred before. It just seems, you know, yeah, if you're used to the normal flow, you order something and you get it two, three days later. And then, like you said, that ship gets stuck in the canal and backs things up for 10 days. And you're like, well, now everything's going to be backed up for 10 days for a year and then 12 days and then 18 days. And it just never catch. It can't catch up. Yeah. And it's. You know, it's kind of weird. We're hearing about, you know, trucking rates getting hammered and, you know, the demand isn't there right now. And yet I'm having more trouble getting things right now than I have throughout this whole, you know, even when there were heavy lockdowns. Right now I'm working on two or three big projects, a couple for work and um, and my garden. I mean, I'm, you know, working on my garden and the weather sucks this year. Uh, So I'm trying some new strategies and between the projects for work and the garden um, every day, I'm trying to track stuff down that was supposed to be here three or four days ago. And I just, I can't seem to get much of anything anymore. Well, I've ordered some stuff for the house, a garage door with the new opener. That's out 10 to 12 weeks. I'm getting a new concrete driveway they said it was eight to 10 weeks before they could get the workers out to do that. Where five years ago, I knew guys that would call up on a Monday afternoon and they'd be getting a new driveway Tuesday. Yep. Yep. And, and it's you know, just, it, I mean, it, it, it's weird. I think we're in the transition where we're paying outrageous prices for things because there seem to be shortages still. Um, you know, you can't find workers. The unemployment rate is crazy low, but we're also, I, I feel like we're right on the edge of all of that changing. 
I have a feeling six months from now, people are going to be coming up to me asking me if I want a fence built on my property. I've been trying to get a fence built for two years. Can't get it done. Yeah. Well, I was doing some work at the house we're selling. I was drywalling, mudding and taping and painting. And I told some buddies that they said, hey, I got a project. You want to come over and do mine? I can't get anybody to do it. I'm like, that's not my job. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I really don't want to put up a fence myself. It's a lot of work. I'd rather just pay somebody to do it, but right. I, I honestly I can't find somebody to do it. But I think I think we're right on the verge of all that changing. Now, as far as stuff, I, I think we may see shortages of stuff for a very long time, but I don't think we're going to see a shortage of labor for much longer. Well, what's going to, I mean, if, is it, there aren't bodies to fill the position or there just aren't people willing to fill the position. I just don't I, think there's bodies. I, I don't know. Right? I, I can't figure this out. And I look at the numbers and I say, where the hell is everybody? That That's what I keep asking. Where the hell did everybody go? And how are they surviving if they're not working? But they must be yeah. working because there's, I know. there's 11 million jobs open and there's virtually no unemployment. Right. I mean, there's signs out for hiring in these factories everywhere. And I'm like, like we're up in Northern Indiana and Amazon in Elkhart County, which is the RV capital of the world. They're at 1.2% unemployment and Amazon is opening up a distribution center and they're taking a thousand workers. Where? You know, where? Um, I'm sure you remember if you live in that area what their uh, what the RV lots looked like at the beginning of the 0809 recession. I have a feeling we're going to see that again in the next six months to a year. Well, well, I mean, yeah, you drive there on the 8090 on the toll road and it goes right past most of those. Now that I mean, you've just seen empty. Yeah, they're just empty, empty lots. And I just. Remember back in 08 and 09, they couldn't find places to park all of their RVs. Yeah, and they were still making them and had to work That's why I didn't know why they were, why they were still making them. Well, that's kind of what's going on right now. All of the signs are saying we're in a, an economic slowdown. A recession is coming. Almost every sign is pointing to it, and yet it if you own a company and you're still selling, it's hard to start slowing down even though, and, and why would you? If people are still buying, you're going to keep hiring people as long as they keep buying. But I have a feeling it's going to be like a switch. It, at, at some point, it's just going to get turned off and, and we're going to know it. I'm hoping that it is a slow withdrawal and not Me too. they have 50,000 units sitting there. August 1st and come Labor Day nobody's buying it's done and yep. now they're stuck with it yep I think and there's the going to be a lot of laid off, and then it's uh, I, I hate for anybody to be in that position unless you have taken precautions that you know what to do when that happens yeah well you know let, let's think about this let's think about you know uh, uh younger middle-class family that's thinking about buying, you know, a 20 or $30,000 RV uh, so they can go camping on the weekends. You know, they can go park it down on the lake and they can go spend the summer down there. Uh, for the most part, you know, when you go to buy a purchase like that, you look at your budget, you kind of push, how much can I afford? You know, I'm going to borrow some money to do this. So you push a little more. Let, let's, oh, you know, we really need a little more space. We can afford $5,000 more. Um, that's what happens in a good economy. When you're looking at paying six bucks a gallon for fuel, your heating bill's about to go up, food is through the roof. You're not going to go out and buy that RV. No, that's one of the first things that goes. Yeah, well, the, an extra luxury item. I mean, the the company that made my the, coach, Country Coach, um, one of the best names in the business for years and years and years, built out here in Oregon for decades. They didn't make it through the '08 crash. That's when they went out of business. Yeah. 
Well, I hope everybody, and I doubt many are, because when you hear the callers, they don't even know their numbers, but I hope anybody in any kind of business is prepared and has taken the, and not tomorrow, 10 years ago, have planned and and been ready for, you know. Yeah. So. For this. Hey, hey, Jeff, if I started a campaign to bring back the national 55-mile-an-hour speed limit, how much to support do you think I'd get from the trucking industry? Oh, I don't know. You're, they're used to going 70. You, you can't. When you're going 75 on 80, 90 in my car, and you come to construction and it's 45, I feel I might as well get out and walk. <laughs> so no, you're, you're right. You think yeah. you're going faster. Right. 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 Yeah. There, you're not, you're not going to get anybody. You're not getting anybody to slow down to 55. No, but honestly, for the trucking industry as a whole, it would be the best thing we could possibly do. Oh, More, more companies would survive, more drivers would be able to keep their job, more owner-operators would be able to stay in business, but we'll never do it. Well, going on keto, doing the Wim Hof and the X3 is the greatest thing an individual can do. <laughs> and how many, how many dozens of people do it and how many hundreds of millions don't? Hey, Jeff, now you're making me feel guilty because I've slacked off. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the process of a move. I still take my cold shower and plank every morning. Good, good. Yeah, I, I'm getting I back get, into get, it. Get my, you know, the road trip kind of screwed me up. I didn't stay as disciplined as I thought. But uh, I'm actually doing some research. I'm testing um, new sauna and light products because this is a brand new industry. We brought out our sauna blanket over a year ago. Uh, and I still love ours. ours I got one. Great, but... But there's some new technology that I'm testing, so I am getting back into my routine, so I'm not slacking off as much as I was. But uh, you're right. It's, it's hard to do the right things. Let's, uh, let's go to New York. Jack, welcome to the program. Yeah, um, I'd like to talk about your new app. I've been working on it since uh, day one. Yeah, um, and... and- by the way, I thank you for that. You've been very involved and you've been posting a lot of great stuff and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, I worked, you know, I worked, I worked for another trucking company that I worked on their app for several years. So, oh, okay. so I'm really familiar with working on, Good. working on apps. So, so I kind of know like, you know, like what to expect and you know, you know what you get out of everything, but you know, they'll, the whole thing that I'd really be, you know, I'd like to see more people get involved in it because it just seems like, you know, like uh, not too many people are really involved in it, you know, you know some of the posts that I make, you know, yeah, you know, I don't really get a response out of it. When you say more people get involved, you mean more beta testers or the beta testers that are there getting involved more? Well, either or, you know, because, yeah, because well, I think, I think the more... I think the more you get people more involved in it, the better the app's going to be. I, you know, if there's only one person really responding to everything or one or two people responding to everything, it's, you know, it's not really getting, you know, the, you know, the, you know, <clears throat> I mean, Aaron's working on everything. I think great, but you know, it's just like, you know, like if he gets more information from more people, yeah, you, know, so, you know, he's going to work on, on that so some of it is the you fact know, that, that we've been keeping the numbers down. Um, we kept the numbers down on the show. We're not advertising the show anywhere. We're not promoting it anywhere um, because we know we're going to have some struggles with technology. And um, that, that's annoying and frustrating. And we know that. So we'd rather frustrate a small number of people till we get it all worked out. And kind of the same thing on the beta test. Right. We, we kind of reached out to people like you and some other people uh, we kept that group pretty small, but you're right. We have a, a certain number of beta testers and not many of them are all that active, but um, it's working pretty well. I mean, I've been really happy with the the progression of the app. I, I think the app itself, the design and the function is, is stunning once we get all the bugs worked out. Yeah. Well, you know, like I'm not really sure about, you know, you know, Aaron's technical side, but you know, as far as, as far as me as a listener, I mean, you know, that should probably be released 
to to the public, but I'm sure I'm sure you can't do that because there's still a lot of underlying bugs, and there still are going to be underlying bugs even when you do release it to the public. You know, because they're always you know is. when I worked on the previous yeah when I worked on the previous app, I mean I, I think I was working on it for like like six years. You know, <laughs> right. you know, it just was constant. Right. Yeah, you know, it was just constant. And then you know, like you know, like what's great about your 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 organization is you know the other organization they kept switching people around so much that you know, like you know, oh, like yeah. I I usually had to update everybody on what I was doing. Here I don't have to do that. You know, I mean, you know, you got Aaron doing all the all, all that, and, and then you know, like even Andy getting involved in it sometimes, and uh, you know, it seems to go great. But you know, it's just uh, I just remember. I just remember like working on the previous app that I worked on, you know, there wasn't too many people involved in it and that's what kept it from struggling all the time. You know, yeah, they, I, they just weren't getting enough feedback. I need to get with Aaron today and get an know, update because I'm wondering um, the, the, the new version of iOS that I saw over the weekend. And I don't think I talked to Aaron at all last week, maybe once. So I'm a little behind on things. Uh, but it's 1.0. I wonder if that means we're releasing it now. I know on iOS, we things have been going yeah, well, I got that. Than they have well, on Android. Well, I have an Android phone, and um, Aaron sent me an old iPhone that I work on Wi-Fi with. So okay. I did get the 1.0. And uh, the, only, the only problem that I have with that right now that I actually, uh, you know, posted was... Uh, I can't log on right now. You know, That's so weird. like some of the features that he up, so some of the features that he's upgraded on, I can't log on to my account through huh. fuel gauges okay. because it comes up in valid, in valid credentials. But I'm okay. sure that's something that he's going to be working on, right. which, which we've had that issue, issue before, right? you know, right. with the logons. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, it's like, I'm not logged. I'll probably, you know, it's like, I'm not logged on. Oops. All right. Well, so, so I'm not logged in on my, my account that I have through mighty networks. I'm using the same email username, but I had to use a different password to even get into fuel gauges, Got it. you know, okay. through, through the app. So, I mean, that was another problem that a lot of people were having earlier on. <clears throat> You know, which we found out that, you know, if you use a, a different, a different log on and, you know, you had to use like a capital and you had to use a, you know, another reference point to, you know, for that password where my other password didn't have any of that. So, Got it. so, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, that, that works great. So, you know, like, uh, you know, keep up the good work and, um, you know, I continue, you know, I'll continue to contribute. All right. We appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, and thanks for the feedback. Yeah, the, uh, the, I, I am excited about the app. It looks awesome. All our shows are on there. Um, the whole way the, the rollout is working right now, I'm really happy with. I, I love this format with no commercials, no breaks. I love the format of it's, you know, the show's usually going to be an hour, but it could be three for all we know. Uh, I like the flexibility because... I prefer to work that way, but the listener experience, and again, we, we, I get emails every day, still people trying to find us and wondering where we are and what we're doing uh, now that we're not on satellite anymore. Um, we're just not ready to roll it out to everybody yet. We're getting closer and closer all the time, um, but I, I'm really, really happy with the app and the listener experience. The listener experience, honestly, has gotten so much better than before. No breaks, no interruptions, and you can listen to any show anytime you want forever. And we've added a lot of new shows. So uh, we're excited about it. We'll keep, uh, we'll keep working on it and let you know. Let's go to Iowa this time. Dan, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's on your uh, mind today? For the whole... Well, I just wanted to say for the workforce deal, I almost kind of think it's uh, the reason there's no unemployment stuff. I think the baby boomers, they're all up in the retirement age, and they were probably still working up until COVID. 
and COVID hit, I think a lot of them ended up retiring. Yeah, that's really possible. You're, you're right. Um, I'm sure there were a lot of people that were close enough that, you know, a, a big yep. two-year break like that, it'd be like, why bother? You know, why go back now at this point? Yeah, um, yeah you're right. That, that could be a big part of it. And that would certainly uh, impact trucking because we know that the majority oh, yeah. of drivers were approaching retirement age. That's just, I don't know. That's just my thought. I don't know if that's exactly the reason or not, but no, I'm sure that 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 had an impact on it, no doubt. Yep. Yeah. I know. I think that age limit there, that age, they were always. I mean, those guys just those they busted their asses. Yeah. And, uh, men and women, and I think it just that hit. It was just an excuse to finally hang it up. I believe. Yeah, no doubt. You know, the other thing that could be happening that's really hard to track, and the number you're talking about, it's, it's not always easy to track that. Somebody just decides, you know, they're not going to go back to work, and, well, we don't know it. It's not like they officially, you know, have to fill out a retirement form. Um, they just don't go back to work. The other thing that it's hard to get statistics on and could be playing a big role in this um, and I'm saying this because I know a couple of people who have done it. And if I know a couple, then there are probably a lot more. Uh, I know some people who, for the most part, had always had traditional jobs, and now they're kind of working the gig economy. And they might be doing two or three or four right. different things. They might have Uber and Lyft and Instacart and DoorDash. And, you know, they're doing okay. Yeah. They're not making a ton of money doing that, but they're paying the bills and um, it's hard it's to track something. those people. Yep. Yeah, it could be. But no, that's all I got for you. I just wanted to say that real quick, and that that, that might be a could be a reason why we're not seeing. I, I I think you're probably. I, I don't yep. know. I I don't know anybody that's on unemployment right now. I, I don't know anyone. You know, you hear about all these people sitting around at home not doing anything, but. Oh, no, I don't know anyone that's doing that. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. You know, we started talking about that during the lockdowns and COVID because it was happening a lot and we were paying those people a lot of money. But that was two years ago. We're not doing that anymore. Yeah. There is no money. If these people aren't working, I don't know how the hell they're eating. <laughs> I know. That's what I couldn't figure out until it, I realized that maybe it's maybe that's yeah, part of that, it. That's I, why. You know, I, th I think that between the baby boomers maybe not coming back to work and a lot of people kind of doing the gig economy thing, maybe that's what's uh, throwing our numbers off. Hey, I, um, I have to renege on my deal. I have some calls still on the line, but uh, something came up, and I've got to wrap this up for the day. So uh, I apologize to the callers. I said I'd get to you. I'll make it up to you. Be the first ones. Uh, to call in tomorrow and I'll get to your calls, I promise. But I've got to wrap this up for today. We will see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.